for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is the Freeman Report with your host, James Freeman, on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report, the show that puts the world's leading scientists, doctors, politicians and expert commentators right at the heart of today's news talk and our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. My name is James Freeman and on today's Freeman Report, I'll be asking if events over the past four years can be explained in terms of the madness of the crowd. Um, Professor Matthias Desmet spoke on this show about mass formation psychosis when he appeared back in October, a con- concept that many commentators have referred to when asking why so many people went along with the COVID craziness. But what about the madness of the crowd? Do humans act differently when they're part of a crowd? And does being part of a crowd necessarily lead to irrational behaviour? Today's guest is a theoretical cognitive scientist who is known for his research on evolutionary origins of biological and cognitive design. He investigates problems such as how we perceive the present in order to understand optical illusions and why our bright brains are so easily tricked. The drive behind a lot of his work is to understand the foundations underlying why we think, feel and see the way we do. Um, His research focuses on the why questions and he has made important discoveries such as on why we see in colour, why we see illusions, why we have forward facing eyes, why the brain is structured the way it is and other questions that help us to understand why human beings behave the way they do. He has a um, PhD in applied mathematics and regularly delivers keynote speeches at scientific events. He's a regular on the Discovery Channel's Head Games and National Geographic's Brain Games. And he's given TED Talks on illusions, color color vision and pruny fingers. Um, Intrigued to know um, what that is all about. Um, I have to say that I'm really looking forward to today's discussion um, as I am very much a why kind of person. I'm therefore delighted to be welcoming American author, scientist and entrepreneur Mark Changizi to his first appearance on The Freeman Report. So stay tuned for all of that after today's news story with Gemma Cooper in a moment. But before we go over to Gemma, though, I'd like to reflect on yesterday's Freeman Report with Tommy Robinson. I, like many, have seen the reports in the mainstream press over um, the past few years about grooming gangs. But it is only very recently that I've learned about the extent of these crimes and the size of the problem that we appear to have in the UK Pakistani community. And it is a problem, one that needs to be discussed, as we cannot, we cannot continue to sacrifice young girls, most of who are children, to the altar of political correctness and the fear of offending those within the Pakistani community. The problem is too big and the consequences are too severe. I was shocked to learn this week that around 20,000 children have now been effective. Now, this is a shocking number in itself, but as always in these um, cases, it is very much the iceberg effect um, because for every person that has come forward, there are undoubtedly others, maybe many, um, who haven't come forward. So who knows what the true size of the problem is. Tommy has done much investigatory work over the years to reveal the horror stories lurking in the shadows and how the police, social services and politicians have helped to cover up what is going on. Um, We also heard from the Voice of Wales yesterday about how we have our own problem with grooming gangs here in Wales in the UK where I live. Now, Tommy has done a great job of raising awareness. However, We need more people talking about this in the media. I'm therefore going to be starting to look into this and so expect more reports on this from me over the coming weeks and months. As well as talking to victims, 
I want to understand what is at the root of the problem. Is this a cultural issue within the male Pakistani community? Are Pakistani women aware of what is going on, that so many men within their community are carrying out these horrific crimes? If I'm honest, it is an uncomfortable um, topic to discuss. For starters, it is absolutely awful hearing about what these young women have been put through. But it's also uncomfortable because it never feels right to single out a particular ethnic group. However, this mindset is part of the problem, and so it is vital that we start to talk about it. If you missed yesterday's show with Tommy Robinson, then I highly recommend watching back, which you can do by going to tntradio.live, finding the Freeman Report under shows or episodes, and there you can watch back all of my shows and listen back um, to shows from the start of last year. If you want to get in touch, then email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live, tntradio.live rather. Um, maybe you've got somebody who's actually been affected by this that you can suggest to come on the show. Um, maybe there's a, an expert in this area that you can suggest. Or maybe you just want to give me some feedback about the topics that I cover. Anyway, get over to jamesfreeman at tntradio.live and send me an email. And if you want to join in the conversation, as always, get over, get yourself over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for today's news talk, TNT. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's news talk radio, TNT. It's Friday, Gemma. It is Friday indeed, James. It is Friday. And it, I'm, I'm going to try and end the week with you on, on a positive note because there is so much going on in the world right now. Talks of World War Three. III, you've, you've covered that on your show this week with some mm. geopolitical experts. Um, there's all sorts going on. There's been another strike on US ships from the Houthis today. You know, it's all kicking off everywhere. So I'll try and bring a little bit of positivity, I think, to end the show with my new story today. Yes, please, Gemma. Go ahead. All right. Here we go. So it seems like Italy has deployed some common sense on eco activists. It's announced, it's just announced that it's going to be launching these massive fines for climate activism in, the, in their country in an attempt to stop disruptive protests, which have extreme similarities with the just oil protests here in the UK. Um, from today, anyone who's seen to be classed as an eco-vandal is expected to be fined up to £50,000 in an attempt to stop disruptive protests, which much like the UK, see protesters in Italy, mainly young people, it has to be said, uh, sitting down in the middle of the road, disrupting traffic, disrupting everyday life, gluing themselves to national monuments, gluing themselves to works of art, and generally staging protests all over the place. Um, the main group responsible in uh, Italy is that a group called, and forgive my <laughs> my faux Italian accent here, but they're called Ultime Gerazione, which means last generation in Italian, um, or UG. Um, and they they are the main people, much like the Just Stop Oil equivalent here in the UK. Um, they uh, Three members of that group were actually uh, indicted this week after spraying orange paint on a sculpture in Milan. So they're very, very active in Italy. Um, they have put poured black oil into the world famous Trevi Fountain, black fluid rather should I say, into the world famous Trevi Fountain in an attempt to make it look like oil. And that meant the Trevi Fountain had to be drained. It was a huge cleanup operation, so not particularly eco-friendly. They've also turned uh, the waters in Venice bright green. Again, a cleanup operation had to be introduced there. And they've glued themselves to the glass casing of a very famous Botticelli painting in the Uffizi Gallery in Florence. Uh, the government said, Enough's enough. We've had enough. The Italian government have said enough's enough and new laws have been brought in, which means if you do one of these eco protests, you can be fined anywhere between 20,000 euros, 17,000 pounds in uh, UK money, or 60,000 euros, which is 50,000 pounds in an attempt to deter them. Now, there are so many parallels between the uh, Ultimo Girazioni UG in Italy and Just Stop Oil in the UK in the terms of the activism that they carry out. And I thought, I wonder if they're funded by the same people. And lo and behold, they are. Both climate <laughs> activist groups are funded by the shady organization coming out of California called the Climate Emergency Fund, run by three millionaires, multi-millionaires, who give money to um, activist groups that they say align with their values. Now, interestingly, members of this uh, Climate Emergency Fund include Aileen Getty, 
uh, part of the uh, oil dynasty, the Getty fortune, you know, daughter, I think, of John Paul Getty uh, or, or granddaughter, possibly. And Rory Kennedy, who's the daughter of Robert F. Kennedy, uh, J.F. Kennedy's brother. So you've got some big players in this climate emergency fund. They fund UG in Italy. They fund Just Stop Oil. But Italy has now just announced from today, anyone caught doing playing these stunts will be fined a significant amount of money. And if you keep doing it, I wouldn't warrant you'll be facing a significant amount of jail time as well. Whether these common sense laws come across to the UK, it remains to be seen. But as we see this climate activist groups being funded by the same people, these unaccountable American millionaires, uh, and they operate very much in lockstep, as you know, they could be the same people, you know, committing the same offences. Um, will we see the lockstep laws being rolled out into other countries where these climate activists are a problem and get in the way of normal life. It'd be very interesting to, to see that. But I just thought it's Friday. Let's look ahead to the weekend with some positivity. This is a victory for common sense. And I don't think there'll be many people in Italy that will be disagreeing with these laws. I think everyone's fed up with young climate activists telling the rest of us how to live their lives. Mm. Let's hope we see it in the UK at some point. Personally, myself, I'd like to go and do a little bit more digging now into this climate emergency fund, the millionaires, if not billionaires that fund it, and why they give so much money to pe young people who haven't got a clue and who aren't actually garnering any favour for the cause. That's what's interesting. Yeah, and that was, um, I've noted two points here that um, spring to mind um, straight away. Firstly, it has to be, these sorts of campaigns have to be the most unintelligent, unintelligent campaigns that i've seen in recent years because what is their purpose um if it's to raise awareness yes they're getting attention but are they getting the right kind of attention because you know you raise these things because you want the public to support you you want action you want the the silent masses to actually support what you're doing and all i can see is the kind of actions they're taking it really does wind the public up um you know the the Tre trevi fountains um, you know, world famous Trevi fa fancy pouring black, um, whatever it was, the black dye or whatever it is was they were doing there. Um, this orange paint, you know, disrupting sports events, um, sitting in the middle of the road while people are trying to get to work. Some people trying to get to hospital. Um, you know, it's just absolutely bonkers. So whoever is kind of coming up with the ideas behind these campaigns really needs to be fired, um, I would say. Um, the second point that, that um, you know, putting my politician's hat on, what would I do if I was um, a politician in charge of this policy? Well, do you know what? As well as fining the people who are actually doing it and putting them in jail if they keep on repeating, um, uh, you know, their offences, um, I would be fining the donors or the actual groups themselves you know um it's not a secret that they're all part of these groups they they're members of them they have meetings um why not find the groups itself and and not 50 60 euros but you know if if if, if it was part of the group that did that to the trevi fountains well then they should be paying for the cleanup but they should also be paying some money on top of that you know so we're talking i mean i would make it um, probably, I don't know, for something like that in the hundreds of thousands of um, euros, pounds, whatever. Um, that would soon um, put a stop to what they're doing. Um, because, of course, you know, for every um, brainless idiot that's prepared to do these types of things, there's another one standing in a very long line behind them. Because, you know, very, very sadly, I think um, there is a generation um of you youth today that have been indoctrinated that they really do believe that the planet is about to expire um and you know and if they don't do anything right this second then all hell is going to be let loose um they're the ones that buy into this global boiling um and and these kinds of um campaigns from the un um so that's what i would do jebba well, I mean, the thing is, I, I get where you're coming from with that. But with, you see, the thing is, if you start looking at the groups, then the group will just throw it higher up the food chain. You say, well, it's not really us. It's the people that run us. And they'll say, well, it's not really us. It's the people that fund us. Then you get to this climate emergency fund based in California, which is run by some of the most powerful millionaires multi-millionaires you know some people from the getty family people from the kennedy family then you go up against them so it's not as easy to say well we'll just target the group um because yeah, really Gemma, can you, you take them can you take them on yeah of course you can 
course you can because what you do is you say just oil for example you know you were responsible for that because they love to declare the fact that it is just oil doing it because of course what they need to do is they need to um, say it's just oil and the reason we're doing it is because of all of this stuff behind me on this marketing leaflet um, about why we need to stop using oil if you um sue that organization even if it can't pay the fine you put it out of business and therefore you say well look if you can't pay the fines then you become an illegal entity um something along the lines of this there are ways of doing it i know it's very difficult to go and chase billionaires um in who live in different countries um who have got very very clever lawyers and all of that but you can you can put these organizations out of business and make them um an unlawful organization or however it's termed in in legal terms and then of course you know they either have to start up another organization um uh, um and, and then the game carries on but you know take away their infrastructure take away their ability to form and group and and and, and organize these types of things well, there we go. I said I was bringing a positive story to the table. We've seen common sense <laughs> and we've seen a solution from you, James, here on Friday at TNT. So fair play to you for that one. Yeah. And you know what to do, don't you? Vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't know whether I'm standing in the next election. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't made my mind up. I might do um, the general election in the UK. Right. Thank you very much um, for that story, Gemma. Definitely positive um, moves there. I'm not sure that it will solve the problem because, of course, the fact that they're backed by these billionaires means that these fines, I'm sure a lot of the fines, the um, the actual people doing it don't pay the fines anyway. I'm sure of that. So I'm not sure. But but it is a positive sign that the government is acknowledging the fact that these uh, these activists are a problem and something needs to be done. I'm just not sure that the solution they've come up with is the one that will stop it. Anyway, have a great weekend, Gemma. And to the rest of you, um, stick with me because after this short break, I'll be welcoming Mark um, 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 Changizi, um to the Freeman Report for the first time. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT. TNT's Kate Shimarani. I'm of the, the belief that your body can totally, 100% heal itself. If you remove the offending things and you flood your body with what it needs. What do your dogs and your kids do when they get sick? They lie down and sleep, don't they? They don't want to eat. They get great big temperatures and they just want to rest. What, do you think you're a special, special snowflake? You're any different? No, that's you as well. But what do they want to do when you go to the hospital? I've seen it firsthand in the last couple of weeks. They're just going to serve you rubbish food, wheat, sugar, dairy, animal protein, tea and coffee, fluoridated, chlorinated, bromine, water, drugs, pharmaceutical petroleum-based drugs. Kate Shamarani on today's News Talk TNT. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at, and then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. Our next steps to space. This time we go back to the moon to learn to live, to work, to invent, to create. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right, okay. Um, we are just trying to get Mark um, on the line. 
Um, so, right. What do I talk about? Okay, I'll talk about um, Tommy Robinson um, a little bit more because, um, as I said, I do want to do more shows on this. So if you do know somebody um, or you know somebody who knows somebody or, um, you know, unlike me, I mean, I, I, I've watched some of the documentaries. I watched um, one of Tommy's Rape of Britain um, documentaries, but I certainly haven't watched the whole series yet. Um, I will slowly get through that over the next few weeks. Um, but if you've watched them and you think there's um, particular people within there, any victims that you would like to see on the show or people that you think have been covering this up, um, politicians, um, police, social services, then do let me know um, because I'd like to get to talk to all um, of those groups um, on this show. The other group that I'd like to talk to is representatives of the Pakistani community themselves as well to try and find out what is going on within that community and what is the root cause of the problem right okay i think we've got mark on the line now um hello mark how are you doing uh great great to be here um listen mark first uh, first things first um thank you very much um for getting up early um i what time is it with you now is it just past six o'clock it's about six yeah six thirty or so yeah, well, listen, thank you for, for getting up early to come on the Freeman Report for, for your first appearance. Um, Mark, I'm absolutely I'm really excited to talk to you today. I've um, I studied psychology um, and I did a bit of evolutionary psychology as well. Um, so a lot of the things that you look at, I found absolutely fascinating. So I'm really excited um, about today's conversation, firstly. Um, and before we get into all the detail, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just giving yourself a brief in introduction, telling us, um, I guess, um, you know, why you got interested in in the areas that you're interested in. Um, and also, do you have any idols in the scientific community um, that, that you look up to? Yeah. So I'm a I'm a physics a mathematician kid uh, who went into physics and math so that I could one day answer the questions to the universe and you know, all these sort of deep kind of questions about why we're here and how, you know, we can all have consciousness and all of these deep questions a kid asks. And, uh, but I ended up really wanted to focus on cognitive science and uh, how we evolved to be the way we are, how we can, you know, why we're designed the way we are. I'm not really interested in the billiard ball mechanisms, but more on the ultimate questions about what shaped us to be as we are. Um, so these are more design or, uh, engineering questions about biology and, uh, and the way the culture shapes us. Sometimes culture is the designer, sometimes natural selection is the designer. And, you know, folks that I looked up to these great philosopher, mathematician, scientists like Bertrand Russell, uh, Quine, and uh, Putnam, and Carnap. These are these, you know, so these polymaths of Neumann, Turing. Hey, okay, we'll see if we can get Mark back a second. He's cut out. Okay, um, I'll tell you what, we will go to an early break um, for the news headlines and we'll see if we can sort out the technical issues and get Mark back on. So stay with us because um, Mark is a fascinating guy and we're going to have a really interesting conversation today. So stick with me, James Freeman on TNT. Good news, people. Now, TNT Radio News. Here, here is your headline. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Britain has effectively called on the West to prepare for World War III. The UK Defence Minister warning this week battle lines are being redrawn as the world enters a pre-war phase. North Korea claims to have tested a new underwater nuclear weapons system and a long-awaited report into the police response to the 2022 school shooting in Texas has been released and the details are damning. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24-7, 365, we never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk, this is TNT Radio. 
Right. Well, as I said in the introduction, um, you know, I'm always fascinated in looking at the underlying reasons why people behave they do. And, you know, when you look at the craziness of the past four years, um, it's a really important question to understand why so many people went along with it. Now, we had Matthias Desmer on the Freeman Report um, back in October. Um, and he talked about mass formation psychosis. Um, but Mark Changizi talks about the madness of the crowd. Um, Mark, explain what you mean by the, the madness of the crowd. Yeah, I mean, th these are the sorts of things we all understand on some smaller scales. We're all familiar with mobs and, uh, and mobs are responsible for burning down the building. And a lot, a lot of people will then say, hey, are you saying there's no one culpable? And, and of course, there's still culpability at the individual levels, right? There's lots of people that the police go after for their culpability on the burning down of the building by the mob. But if you just go after those people, which, of course, you do have to go after those people. But if you fail to understand the nature of mobs, mobs have their own dynamics. There's this large scale kind of a network like thing that happens. A mob is an animal itself in some sense that needs to be understood in mass hysteria is a mob on crack, right? And uh, we saw that ourselves for the first time uh, uh, in 2020, in March of 2020, if you were paying attention, you saw it in real time. Um, our, most of us have feelings about what happened in the other great crimes against humanity. The cartoon story that we're typically told is that an evil dictator came in and then from top down, they imposed uh, coercion and evil upon the people. And of course, there is top-down coercion. There's no question, right? But it's never usually that simple. The, the the great tyrants that had the ability to do great evil had tremendous popular support. Whether it was 20% of really you know rabid uh, supporters, or often 80% of those who didn't just um, they believed it, they were righteously believing it, and so did the leader, right? So the leader was drinking the Kool-Aid along with them. So there was bottom up and top down and side to side pressures. It was a, it was a mob, but a, at a different scale. And uh, we often would just remember it as the leader having done it him or herself, right? But we saw it in at first hand that of course the leaders were culpable. We saw uh, what they were all doing, but we all had friends. We all saw thousands of people with face masks in cars, right? We, we saw thousands of people enforcing the mask rules on the street. They were enforcing it. I was attacked by always by people, regular old folks. No one told them, no one forced them to uh, wear masks in cars, right? They were going way beyond the mandates. When the population is going beyond the mandates, that's one clear signal that there's bottom-up pressure, right? Um, in the UK and in China, the initial reaction, even in China, was... To, to calm down, but the populace who never trust their government for good reason, um, and it should be the case everywhere, but especially in, the, in, the, in, in China, China originally, the CCP was saying, calm down, this is not a big deal, but the, there was huge bottom-up pressure, and so quickly, whether it was the CCP or Boris Yeltsin, I mean, or Boris, uh, 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 not Boris, sorry, um, they, they quickly then look like they're leading. They go, oh, the populace is pushing for this. Uh, so we're going to just look like we're leading all along. And so um, nation, many nations were pushed bottom up or pushed to see what, you know, to, to copycat other countries who were doing the same thing. And those were the pressures side to side, often bottom up. And then of course, once they start pushing top down, um, these, they're in all directions. These kinds of dynamics are what drove, um, drove it in March, uh, in, in mid in early March. And it continued to go on, uh, you know, very strongly for a, a year or two. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree um, with um, using that sort of um, thinking, the madness of the crowd, because, you know, I think one of the things we saw here, which definitely explains what you're talking about there, is the the panic buying of bog rolls. Um, absolutely bizarre, that was, um, looking back now. Um, why bog rolls? We don't know. Um, but um, of course, as soon as the TV stations stop talking about the fact that there's going to be a potentially shortage of loo rolls, um, everyone just went berserk. I guess the only thing that I questions I'd like to ask you, because, like you, you know, I think you're right in the sense that, you know, once people start to um, sort of react to something and that kind of you, you do get that kind of mob type mentality. But I would argue that actually the UK government, um, they were behind a lot of the fear being created here in, in the UK, rather than them saying kind of calm down because, you know, at bus stops, 
we saw these and obviously you're not from the uk but here uh, in the uk at bus stops we had um posters of people with face masks on in hospitals struggling to breathe with um you know awful messages on there um it could be you that kind of thing so so the government and they use psychology um and psychologists at the center of government to create that fear um now i guess um my right, question that, to you is let me, yeah. sorry go on, uh, go let on, me Mark. just continue for a second here this, yeah when you're looking to the cause and the origins of something that's like a virality in this case it was meme virality much like when your twitter post goes viral um looking for the first cause is uh, an illusion there's not really a first cause in any interesting sense sure the first cause was your tweet you pressed go but the fact that it went viral which is of course very rare well, you know 0.1% of the time your post might go viral um it, it, you can't reliably engineer that so of, yeah. or the first pebble in an avalanche you could say caused it, but any if it was ready to go, if one pebble did it, the next pebble would have done it as well. So it's not really the cause, right? So you can always go back and these are loops. Of course, the top was pushing down and creating fear because they thought that was the right thing to do to get the most people to stay home and all of these kinds of arguments, right? And of course they were being pressured media, which was being excited by the population, which was wanted to hear more about this stuff. It's all loops and sideways. And it's not un unlike a lot of the folks that I argue with. They believe that this was all planned in advance. And someone just decided, hey, in March, we're going to instigate hysteria for our evil ends, right? You can't reliably engineer that kind of virality. You can push for it. Every we're all there's literally a billion people pushing for virality all the time. We want our ideas to go viral. And some of them are bigger forces and smaller forces. But no matter how big you are, you can't reliably engineer it. Yeah, and I think what you're saying there absolutely is spot on because we saw um, they actually tried to create a sort of fake pandemic back in 2009, um, but they didn't quite get there. The public didn't buy it. The fear didn't take in, take hold. And actually, people started to question it before it really took hold. Um, they obviously learned a lot from that um, the second time around. Now, um, Mark... What what do you what's your understanding in terms of the also the the intelligence of the crowd because um, I've seen research which suggests you know if you've got a say for example a uh, a clear um, you know big jar of marbles for example and you've got to guess what how many are inside there now one person themselves might guess a certain number but if you take the average of the crowd you actually tend to get a very very accurate estimate so what are the ingredients where actually that rational kind of um and and those um accurate kind of interpretations that the crowd make where what, what are the ingredients that you need for that to actually fall down and disintegrate into chaos uh, well i mean it was a, it, it's a great example um and, and of course one of the things that destroys it is what happened um well after the mass hysteria started is that uh, it's changing this question a little bit once the mass hysteria started governments wanted to uh uh help help save the world by censoring you and me right which of course we've been you know i've been censored and, and suspended uh, multiple times in, in all of the venues that i've been in uh, for two years and actually was i was the first lawsuit uh, michael sanger and daniel constant and mice suing the federal government uh for first amendment violations and they um if you imagine that there was a strong uh, bias towards uh, large numbers of marbles in there and that if anybody ever were to guess something that was lower than the actual number, they're going to be potentially uh, canceled, uh, suspended from the public square. You can imagine that the estimates of the number of marbles is going to suddenly skyrocket, right? Because there's all of these biases um, that push it to be higher. That's the kind of thing what ha that happens. So you start censoring uh, uh, quote unquote misinformation, uh, you, you muck with the only mechanism that society has and science has for finding the truth and that's free expression um, there is no other mechanism. Misinformation are the rungs of the ladder that society climbs towards the truth. So that's one way that, that uh, free expression can go wrong, and that's a systematic um, top-down, but it's also was being pressured, by the way, that the entire world was pressuring governments. You gotta stop people on YouTube from saying those sorts of things, they're, missing, they're killing people with COVID, blah, 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 right? That's, there was tremendous bottom-up pressure for governments to do that, which is why the federal government in the United States, Biden administration was completely unabashedly saying that they were gonna, because they were gonna censor them because the, there was so much popular support to say. 
But the other thing that can mess with uh, moving towards the truth is mass hysteria. And you know, in March, there wasn't tremendous censorship at that time. Instead, the network became ill in some sense. Just like we find group thinks all over, you know, in micro scale in my own you know, research communities, I overturn ideas sometimes because the whole community just became groupthinky for 50 years for no good reason. It just gets into a groupthink. And in this case, because of the internet, the entire world fell into a groupthink and bouncing as one, saying all of the same uh, sort of crazy things. And a lot of what I talk about in my, you know, science moment uh, video series is the condition, you know, because it was a pandemic and you're afraid of your fellow man, it has, there's certain aspects of this that make it much more ripe fear of, of infection is much more ripe to, to, to spread sideways across society for people to suddenly, people have an innate fear for this kind of thing. So when that happens, um, now of course you're undermining the typical free expression balances of power in some sense where your independent set of 25 connections that you typically believe because they typically tell you smart things but they're independent voices. Now, they were all saying the same things, so they were no longer 20 different independent voices. They were basically one voice, but you treat it as 20 different voices telling the same thing, so you believed it because when 20 different people from different islands that never spoke to one another say the same thing, that's a pretty good argument. But this was they were no longer uh, independent. They were basically one voice. The, uh, the entire network was, in some sense, temporarily undermined. But it would have corrected itself were it not for uh, the kind of censorship um, that happened um, thereafter, which is, of course, even even more dangerous. Mark, that is a fantastic answer there that you've just given, um, and also a very, very strong argument for why we should have free speech. Um, because actually, you know, when we shine light on different issues and we invite everybody to give their thoughts and their interpretations of what they see and what they understand that issue to be, we do end up um, at the truth much, much quicker, don't we? Um, so fantastic answer there, Mark. Um, right, we're going to take a quick short break now, Mark. Um, and after the break, I want to talk about your key, the key areas that you you focus on. You've given lots of talks, TED Talks, um, for examples, on illusions, colour vision. And I'm fascinated to understand um, pruny fingers, um, what that's all about. So stay with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So if you're traveling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. One, check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to replan your trip. Two, think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighborhood safer place. Three, it's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today. One in four Australian women experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Staying is dangerous, but leaving can mean homelessness for them and their children. With your generosity, the Salvos can provide crisis services and ongoing support, helping women find a way out of violence and a way back into a safe and stable life. Help us leave no one in need. Please donate to the Red Shield Appeal today. The Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right, Mark, let's start with illusions. Um, you talk about um, understanding how we um, sort of perceive the present in terms of understanding um, why we see optical illusions. Um, tell us all about this area, Mark. Yeah, so there's, there's lots of these fun illusions I've uh, seen before where there's, let's say, two vertical lines side by side and they're perfectly straight, but then you put a bunch of spokes, radial lines, coming out from the center between them, and you perceive the two vertical lines to both These are, you know, there's dozens of geometrical illusions and other fields, which I can't explain um, on the, on, on, you know, on here. But the question is, why do you see these? And so about 10, 15, almost 20 years ago, I was able to show that these 
array, whole swaths of illusions that people hadn't been able to explain are due to the fact that your eyes cannot perceptions. It takes your brain about a tenth of a second. And so tenth of a second is a long time. You've already moved, even if you're only moving at one meter per second, which is pretty slow, you've already moved 10 centimeters by the time your perception build, um, your brain can build that perception. So what your brain instead tries to do is guess what the world will look like in a tenth of a second, build a perception of that. And once you understand that, then you realize all of these illusions, so those, vert- those radial lines that are those spokes that are coming from between the two vertical lines, those are optic flow blur cues. When you move forward, all the time you end up with these blurs like you're going into warp in Star Trek, right? Your eyes all And so what your brain thinks is happening is like it thinks it's moving towards the center of those spokes. It says, oh, I'm looking at that. That's the direction I'm going. I quickly need to modify what those two vertical lines would look like in a tenth of a second were I moving in that direction. And in fact, what they do is they flow outwards in your visual field. But they, and they do so more at eye level. So if you're going through a tall cathedral uh, doorways, once you're, you know, it, it flows outwards in your visual field. But when you look up, of course, they're going toward each other, the really high parts of the cathedral doorway. So they flow outwards more at eye level. So that shows how you can explain something called the herring illusion. It's due to your brain uh, being too slow. And so you try to perceive the present by uh, making a perception of the near future. And is this just about um, vision, um, these these kinds of illusions? Because it, it sounds um, to me like that, that you know, that, that concept, because um, there's all sorts of illusions, isn't it? Things that trick us um, with the way our brain fills in the blanks in what we see and what we hear as well. Um, yeah, so is this a, a wider kind of um, mechanism that can explain um, sort of audio illusions as well? Yeah, so audio, we, these, these kinds of results have, have been shown to occur for audio, auditory illusions and auditory perception generally. And so there are accordingly auditory illusions where you can show these and, and even tactile ones where let's say something is moving along your skin and you perceive you can, you're compensating for where it is based on the slowness of your, ability, of your brain's ability to build the perception. Yeah, and Mark, I mean, I when I um, I did a master's in psychology, it was applied psychology, so it was all about taking concepts like this and um, how you use them in the real world. Now, that um, I guess first off, the first thing I thought of there is how you would use that in as um, in safety industries where you need safety, and you know you have humans making decisions, um, understanding things like that, where the brain can sometimes, you know, it fills in the blanks, and it's not necessarily. For, you know what what actually happens in that tenth of a second is not necessarily what the brain um, thinks is going to happen. What kind of um, sort of fields of use would you say these these things that we've learned about the brain could be used in? Well, I mean, in, in that particular case, and and a, a lot of my research, some of my research in the past was concerning these sorts of things, and in that general vein, and there's. You know, for example, um, you know, I've done consulting for in the automobile and motorcycle industry for years, and they, they are interested in, in how to understand and build uh, the car or the motorcycle and the devices around the human brain so that you can correct for or, or harness what the brain is naturally doing so that you can leverage those things so to make us better. Um, so often certain things that we might use in an automobile setting are undermining our natural ability. Um, and so you have to, by understanding the way we're designed, we can better integrate into uh, the automobile or motorcycle. Yeah, fascinating. And of course, there's a whole cultural thing around that as well, isn't there? Like, I guess the um, the classic one is the colors, what different colors mean in different cultures, like red in some cultures means danger. Um, don't push that button. Um, whereas in other cultures, that might mean something very, very different, a really, really fascinating area. Um, Color vision, um, well, Mark. I mean, just, just um, tell us. Sorry, go on. If I if I can riff on the red, I mean, so one of the things I'm uh, uh, I'm known for is I, I, it, about 20 years ago I discovered the reason that we primates have color vision. We have color vision beyond what your dog has. Your dog only has grayscale and yellow blue, but we have red green. And for 100 years they thought the reason that some of us primates have this extra third dimension of color that we all enjoy is because of fruit in the forest or something like this. And I was able to show there's, there's no evidence of that. We're, the reason we have color vision is because it's actually an emotion sense. It's designed to see blood, oxygenated blood, the differences between your blood being oxygenated and deoxygenated. 
And um, so by virtue of that is, you know, it's really an empath sense. And so it's true across cultures, red typically does mean the same thing. It means uh, 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 whatever it means that when you get blushes on the face or an angry face, all of these sorts of things tend to be universal and have strong cross-cultural uh, uh, universals because we evolved uh, color vision for seeing the emotions on bare skin. Okay, so what you're saying is actually there is 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 it's a communication, it's an evolutionary communication um, um, adaptation that our bodies have, have taken over time. That's right. Yeah, color is a is a socio signaling thing that we have. It's really the opposite side of the same coin as that we're naked. We're the naked apes. All the primates with color vision are naked on their faces, on their rumps, often their almost their entire bodies like us. Yeah, of course. And obviously, just to explain that to people who um, might not understand what we're talking about there, we're talking about the fact that um, being able to communicate better with your fellow group um, back in times maybe, maybe we were um, on the plains hunting, um, actually, it gives us an evolutionary um, advantage. And therefore, um, those that were able to do that um, and have that color vision were at an advantage to those who didn't. And so over time, what happens is um, obviously those um, traits get selected for because they are the successful um, apes um, and they go on to mate and create more with the same evolutionary mechanism. Absolutely fascinating stuff, Mark. Um, now, pruny fingers, explain that to me. Yeah, so, I mean, by pruny fingers, at least in, in, the, in the, the way that we use it here in the United States, it just means when your fingers get wrinkly when they're wet. And, uh, it, you know, for 100 years, people keep saying that it has something to do with just osmosis and just water absorption. Um, that doesn't even make sense on its face. It, when water would get absorbed by something, things become less wrinkly. The sponges be, fill up, they the anti-wrinkle. So it, it turns out even since in the 1920s, doctors, emergency doctors had noticed that if you have an, a patient that was in a car accident and they want to know, is there, is there there's an arm injury? They go, is, do you think there's a, still a nerve connection or not? They realize if you stick the patient's fingers in warm water and they don't wrinkle, then you know there's a sympathetic nerve cut. It turns out that you only wrinkle if there's a connection to your, your central nervous system. So we know it's not uh, some kind of local osmotic mechanism all by itself. It, it actually requires connection to your nervous system. So we began thinking about 15 years ago, um, what could be an explanation? And the hypothesis came as like, well, maybe they're rain treads. And in fact, when you work out the math of what the optimal uh, tr channels would look like, what should the drainage network, in fact, be designed to look like so that if you were to squeeze on your fingertips, then you'd have the uh, minimal energy would be required to squirt the water out so that you um, all of your finger could be touching it. So you want to basically remove the water underneath your fingers with the least energy so that you don't hydroplane. That is, you don't slide on top of the water. You get to the surface and touch. And then when you work out the math, you end up with exactly the kind of channels or the wrinkle shapes that uh, fingers on primates, in fact, have. So there, there are rain treads that appear when it's rainy, and then they go away when it's not. And that's what you want, because if it's dry conditions, your cars shouldn't have treads. In fact, race cars, because they race in dry conditions, have no treads because you want to maximize grip to the road. But of course, we always have treads because we're not changing out our tires all the time. But, but, but in fact, we are. We primates are, in fact, um, getting rain treads when it's wet and it's needed, and then they go away um, when it's not, which is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's absolutely fascinating. And what, um, you know, understanding these things is, is is fascinating in itself. But of course, there's usually, um, you know, um, applications that we can take into the world, whether that is creating ergonomic systems that work better with humans, understanding their physiology and their psychology. What kind of um, applications do you think un that understanding gives us, Mark? Yeah, well, I mean, here, the, the and I haven't, I, I do sometimes apply things from my research to the businesses that I started and things like this. Here, the idea, one obvious idea, would be just build uh, gloves that um, have the right kind of finger grip for, let's say, dishwashers, you know, or people that are working in wet conditions, rainy conditions outdoors. Anyone who's outdoors tending to be in wet conditions and wanting to wear gloves anywhere, maybe not, you can now build, um, uh, give them. Uh, uh, gloves which have exactly on them the right kinds of uh, grips that they might need uh, it, you know if because you at some point if you're out there all the time you need to have gloves on rather than your bare hands for example 
Yeah, absolutely fascinating stuff because I think the future of the world is is technology actually in terms of the technology we interact with, whether it's the clothing we wear or um, the other technology, whether, you know, like a, a car interior, for example, um, you know, it's actually the future is about designing that technology so it works with us and the different um, ways that the human body works. Um, Mark, what I'd like to do for the last sort of four, um, three, four minutes of the show, um, you've been on mainstream channels and the Discovery Channel and other channels. You've also given TED Talks and you did mention um, censorship at the start um, and, and also the fact that you've been you've been censored yourself. Um, the fact that you've spoken out, um, are you currently um, on mainstream channels? Um, how has the censorship affected you um, over the past three, four years? Well, it's, it's, it's not been good. I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to complain in some sense. A lot of folks, their entire career rests on their voice or they were fired uh, from their job because they were uh, speaking out against COVID. Um, I've definitely been discriminated against from the science journalist community. The science journalists uh, came out, you know, even in 2020 saying, joking around on Twitter saying, let's build an app to ensure that uh, if we ever want to cover Mark Changizi stuff, it reminds us that he had this anti-lockdown position. So, you know, my last research direction took almost 12 years for the book to come out. It's called Expressly Human. It's on the origins of emotional expressions, why, why we have the emotional expressions they do, what they mean, answering Darwin's sort of question, you know, a couple hundred years ago, why, how they work as a language for us way before we ever had language. Um, this was 10 years in the making. It was a massive kind of achievement on, on my part of my colleague, uh, Dr. Jim Barber's part. But when it came out, I was under two years of, of, of suspension and censorship uh, Twitter and YouTube and Facebook. So if you're, you know, censored by the federal government, you know, the United States federal government, me amongst, you know, tens of thousands were censored. And if you're unable to um, promote your book, uh, you're basically, you know, you could say, yeah, your book has still been published. Yeah. But if you have the inability to promote it, um, it's been censored. So it was in this case, censored bottom up and top down, top down from the Biden administration, but also bottom up from the world of science journalists, who um, are disproportionately far left and and not almost almost to a man and woman uh, were all in on COVID uh, fear and panic. Um, absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Um, as a scientist, it must be very very frustrating for you, Mark, because science is all about being open minded and being allowed to ask questions and investigate anything. It's about finding the truth, not about censorship. Um, Mark, for, for those watching who do want to um, follow up and look into your work, um, do you have a website? Where can people go to find out about you? I mean, my, my more research, my research, all the research stuff that's not particularly political is at changizi.com. And of course, you can find me at uh, Twitter, Mark Changizi at Twitter. My free expression institute is called freex.group. And of course, I'm at YouTube and Rumble for my uh, my Science Moment series. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Chagizi. Mark, sorry about the technical details, but I think we got there, uh, technical issues rather, but I think we got there in the end. Um, I really enjoyed today's interview and I will be going to look at some of your TED Talks um, later on today. To the rest of you, don't go anywhere. Stick with us on TNT.